This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Football was therapy, you know. Football was my place to exercise the demon, you know, and all the rage and violence I had in my heart from, you know, a childhood full of physical trauma and abuse. I got to take that out on the football field and I was praised for it, you know, and I was celebrated and I was, you know, championed. And, you know, from the time I stepped on the football field my freshman year of high school, football, I I was in love with the fact that I could physically dominate and destroy somebody and I was, you know, celebrated for it. That was Evan Britton. With Austin Lane last Friday here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. And I was listening while I was down in St. Augustine, stealing the day. (laughs) And uh, that really registered with me, man. That was like, wow. Uh, We knew Evan Britton. And I kind of, you know, over the years, you kind of forget some people's stories. You remember the Evan's a cool guy. He's an interesting guy. And and it showed in that interview. Uh, But from it wasn't his, his, I say aunt, you say aunt. Yeah. That was like an actress, right? Correct. Roseanne? Yes. The mom on Roseanne? Yes. I believe it's so. It's his aunt, though, right? Or I, is it his mom? Or grandma? I might have What's been the relationship? Gr- I think it was his grandma, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. I think that makes a little more sense. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, like, we knew that kind of stuff about him. Of course. Him, but I think yeah. he's big, he was into art as well, oh, right? Oh, big time, man. Yeah, he's yeah. a big time artist. Um, creative writing, really big into that. Yeah. I was actually good friends with his brother, too. We used to hang out a lot. His brother's an actor now. I'm not sure if he's been in anything like recently, but his brother's trying to be an actor in, in L.A. So we knew all those things. Well, if you yeah. listen to that Evan Britton sound right there, former Jags player, uh, now is out in California doing podcasts with Mike Tyson. And, and yeah. I mean, he was so honest and brutally honest in the interview that you guys had. And he talked about the abuse that he had as a kid and physical abuse. Like, I didn't really know a lot about that. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really elaborate too much on that. But it got me thinking. It's like, where does that rage come from in football? Where does that mentality come from? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we often talk about the on-off switch of mm-hmm. football. It doesn't mean you have to have been abused as a kid or you have to be this violent person by nature yeah. to play football. But there is this on and off button. Mm-hmm. And some people can't turn it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and football, and we've seen that. Uh, we've seen that in headlines. Absolutely. The ability to turn it on and off is an unbelievable gift, I think. Mm-hmm. It's an unbelievable gift. Mm-hmm. And, again, you know how I feel about the sport. I wouldn't go in between the white lines. So I, I just found that captivating that he said it like that. And it got me thinking about two things. What is it that brings you to play the sport? Listen, if you play in high school, and I'm not saying it doesn't get violent in high school. Football is a violent game. but. Yeah. You can play in high school, and and Brent for East Providence High School. If I wanted to go out when I was five foot five and one hundred and forty pounds soaking wet, I could go sit there and play wide receiver, and and I might take one hard hit in my whole career, <laughs> you know. And yeah. I, as long as I can do the two a days, and I can do the drills, yeah. and I could act tough enough, mm-hmm. I could play football. Mm-hmm. When you play it in the SEC, in in the Big Ten, and then when you play it at this level. You got to have a different mentality, man. I mean, where does that come from? How many are like Evan, where it comes from a deep, dark place and it's more of an outlet? Is that more common than than I would think? Not okay. I'm I'm gonna say this. Not 
so much really anymore, I think. Now, I haven't been in, you know, I haven't really been, been quote unquote, in a locker room. Yes, I've interviewed guys in a locker room, but I haven't, like, shared the locker room with players. And Eben said it himself, you know, like, we got in fights almost on a daily basis. And some of them were pretty nasty, man. And um, whenever we threw punches at each other, they were filled with ill intent, and they were filled with bad intentions. But he, he said it so, you know, um, just so eloquently in that interview where it's like, at the end of it, we always were in the locker room, we hugged it out, man, and we had respect for each other because of that. And he always says that we were kind of cut from a different cloth and that we're the last of a dying breed. I mean, everybody plays the game of football for, for various reasons, you know, Um it starts when you're a kid, obviously, and I think, you know, there's that team bonding camaraderie, there's that brotherhood, there's that fraternity that um, only team sports can give you, right? But the more you go on, the more you go on, well, it's still about that brotherhood, it's about the camaraderie, but then you're not playing Pop Warner anymore, you're not playing high school football anymore, then you go to college, and then if you're lucky, then you go to the pros, and now all of a sudden, you got guys playing for different reasons. So you have to find something else to kind of push you through, to make it worth your while, to put your body on the line every single day. Why are you doing it for? You know, and Evan kind of said what, what his reason was for, and I, I kind of share some of his, um, you know, beliefs. Now, as far as my childhood's concerned, like, yeah, I had the ups and downs of, of any kind of childhood, nothing that I would really consider traumatizing, um, but like I said, there's ups and downs. But to me, football was about the freedom, and that's why I fight. I mean, we talked about last week, why do I fight as well? But to me, like football, it was the only place that really made sense to be, right? Like I remember it, this even starting back in high school. Like I remember I'd be sitting in algebra thinking like, dude, what? And hopefully half of them stuff can cover ears here. But I remember sitting in algebra thinking like, <laughs> dude, I don't need to know any of this. Like, I'm never going to apply any of this into my life. And, and it stressed me out because the whole time, instead of just going with the flow, I was always trying to rebel and be like, why am I doing this? Why are we doing this? Why, why are the, the social constraints set up this way? Right? Well, by the time it was three fifteen, that bell rang and I was leaving my locker for the last time going to the football locker room. Dude, that was my chance to forget about all that crap. And it was just, it was my teammates, it was the brotherhood, but it was just me being free. Like, when I stepped on a football field, when I stepped between the white lines, I felt the freedom. Now, as I gradually got older and went to college and the pros, that started to shift a little bit. Because now it was still the freedom, but now it was like, every single play, I, I take it personally if somebody beat me. You know, I take it personally if I got double teamed and I got pushed out of the hole. I take it personally if I got cut blocked and my back's on the ground. I took that personally. Not from really any coach kind of telling me, like, you better play like this. That's just how I kind of grew up. You know, like, that's just kind of my mentality was. And by the time I've got to the NFL, and we talked about this before on the show, Brent, I could have been a great pass rusher. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I only have three sacks to my name in the regular season. And it is what it is, man. At the end of the day, um, you know, it is what it is. But... The reason why I, and I'll be honest, and I'll, I'll sit here today, and, you know, this might drive Joe Cohen crazy, this could drive some Mel Tucker crazy, but I honestly didn't really care about rushing the passer. Because to me, rushing the passer, you had to flip your hips, you had to rip up, you had to get a good get off. I'll be honest, man, rushing the passer to me, it wasn't football. To me, football was fourth and one, mano a mano, you got the tackle in front of you, low man's gonna win, the guy that wants it more is gonna win. That was always football to me. I'll never forget a story. So me and Joe Cullen, so Joe, I forgot it was my rookie year. I played in the game. I didn't play that well. So Joe Cullen keeps me after practice to run through some more of the drills and run through some more of the plays. And he goes, what do you have in this play? And I go, I kick this guy's ass. I get that guy. I kick that guy's ass over there. He's like, 
what are you talking about? I'm like, no, that's 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 the play. That's what I'm doing. And like he was so taken back by it because usually he'd want to hear like, all right, you go in the B gap, you flip your hips, you get to the court. No, I'm just like, you kick his ass, you kick his ass, and then you go, you go, you go. So like that's kind of the way I was always wired, I guess. You know, and, and that's why I love football personally because to me it's all about the one-on-one battle. So that's why I embrace goal line more than I embrace the third and ten pass rushing. But that's just me. But like I said, everyone plays the game for a different reason. Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? Because in, it, as a kid, if you're playing Pop Warner or whatever else, then you're playing. And, and yeah. football now is you want to play Pop Warner because it's the cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of the, you know, our culture. I mean, you you see so many people play it. Well, by the time you get to high school, it's once again the cool thing to do, right? Yeah. I mean, the football kids are supposedly the cool kids. You know, yeah. uh, quite honestly, I never really felt like that, even though I didn't play football. But mm-hmm. you could sense that, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the jerseys on Fridays and the, the, everybody comes out to the games, and it, it's a it's cool to be a part of that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. If you have high school kids that never played in college, never play in in the NFL, they still say those Friday nights are some of the best nights of their life yep. for those few hours, those days. Uh, they write songs about them. They make movies about them. Of course, right? yeah. For a reason. So, like, that's why you play. So I understand why you play in high school. What I don't, because I can't get there, is how you play to the next level. See, and well, that's, what does that bring out? Okay, you want a, you want competitive nature. Got mm-hmm. it. Uh, Eben Britton, well, he had some demons, mm-hmm. and and that was his release. Mm-hmm. Okay, it makes some sense to me. We can't all relate, but it makes some sense to me. There's another part of it. You're just ultra gifted, and you might as well use what God gave you. Yeah. Right? And yeah. there's some of those guys, and don't be wasted talent. Mm-hmm. Go get it. Mm-hmm. And and that's part of the game, too. So it just it, it's interesting that uh, Eben's comments kind of took me to a place where, like, wow, where do you get that gear? Sure. You know, and I guess some people find it in a different way. And it's really interesting to me just because I can't relate. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't relate to it. I, I can't get that gear. You don't have to get that gear in baseball. I can be competitive. Mm-hmm. I'd be pissed off about striking out. You have to accept failure in baseball because mm-hmm. you're going to do it. And the mm-hmm. quicker you learn how to fail and, and accept it and figure it out and bounce back, that's a big part of baseball yeah. or golf or other sports. But I sure as hell don't have to go run over the first baseman. Yeah. You know, heck, you can't even run over the catcher anymore. <laughs> soft well and listen you you said it yourself right like high school football it's something special kenny chesney writes songs about it a lot of guys write songs about it and if there's any high school football player listening right now i'm not trying to turn you off to college football or nfl football because dude great memories in themselves college football dude you you usually go to you know the university for free and play college football how awesome is that, man? You're still playing a game. That's fantastic. You get to get paid if you go to the pros. And you get to do like something that maybe, I don't know, 2% of the world can do. That's a great honor. But believe me when I say that the purest form of football, it's high school. Okay? When you start getting in the college ranks, and if you're lucky enough to get in the pro ranks, that pureness, that, 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 that holiness, it goes away. Okay, and and then that's where you have to find that edge because the joy, the pleasure, the fun, like yeah, it's still fun, man, and that's that's why I I made it as long as I did in the NFL because I had fun every single day, but eventually th- that fun will wear off, and you have to find something else. And I think with Evan, you know, his edge was listen, I'm I'm going to war every single day, and I'm going to be championed when I come out, you know, and I put somebody on on his back, and that's the way he lived his life um, in terms of playing football. And then I kind of approach some of those things as well. It's just, you know, I I don't want to call it like modern day gladiators because like that's so aggressive and it's so cliche, but it, there is something. I don't know. There is something magical to it from, yes, it's this complicated game, these formations, 
50 play calls, these thick playbooks. But at the end of the day, especially in the trenches, dude, it's just mano-mano. It's just one-on-one. And may the best man win. And guess what? You fight that battle. You know what happens after that battle, Brent? You go back for more. So, like, you can't relish on your victory. You can't relish on your defeat because you get another one coming up in 30-something seconds. So that's what, to me, what makes football so great, and that's what I found in it. Yeah, and what's interesting, when we you had that interview with, with Evan Britton last week, former Jags player, you know, he he kind of gave us the depths of where a lot of that you know, intensity came from. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think that varies from position to position. I think you guys it in the trenches to. have to, to yeah. you know, if you're a linebacker, if you're a running back, you still feel that. Yeah. I don't know if you need all that kind of mentality. If you're a receiver in a corner, at least to the degree a guy in the trenches would need it. I'm not telling you you're soft or anything like that. If you no, play those sure. positions, there's a violent nature to it still. But, you know, I'm not sure you have to have that mentality mm-hmm. uh, of just trying to kick somebody's butt on every play. Mm-hmm. Now, it might be helpful if you do. Yeah. Uh, that's why I'm well, excited to watch LaVisca Chenault play, because it sounds like he does. Exactly. But you made a great point, Brent. And, and you've been in locker rooms, and you, you've seen the players come and go. Even in the trenches, the defensive side of the ball is a lot different than the offensive side of the mm-hmm. ball. Where I think... The offensive side of the ball, you have to be a little more calm and calculated, right? Like you're trying to you're trying to say, all right, so are we going to slide to the right? Are we going to slide to the left? Where's the blitz coming from? You have to know all these things. What's the count going to be? On the defensive side of the ball, you know your play, you know your gap, you pin your ears back, and you go. So even from, yes, you know, it's different in the trenches. You have that, that mindset, that personality. But even from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball, overall, and there's always going to be outliers, but overall, characteristics are completely different yeah i think uh, the offensive line i mean feels still feels like there's an element of, of a slow dance to it yeah uh whereas a defensive line it's it's like running with the bulls mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it really is yeah, you know yeah. you got to have some of that so it's it really is fascinating then the, the I'll, I'll wrap it up with this and listen i guess i know this sounds so silly right at the mm-hmm. fundamental level like why do we do it but it actually brought me to that evan's conversation because now you look at the hindsight he started getting headaches right he started uh, the, the medical marijuana became a topic all of those things i mean that the price you pay to do that mm-hmm. and have fun doing it love to do it all that stuff well there is a price and we've seen that now with with cte we've seen it with concussions um and really there's a big unknown uh, in that regard but I guess the bigger picture of all that, that whole process that we just talked about, yeah. in American culture, we have embraced it to the point where it is so powerful mm-hmm. at the collegiate level and also the professional level. It is the number one sport by far. It's a cash cow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is all those things that, and it's the, I mean, it's the reason we probably have a show, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Here in Jacksonville. Hands down. And it's the reason I have a job right now. So it, it's just amazing how much we've taken the mentality of that game and turned it into a love affair as a sports fan. Mm-hmm. Now, there's other variables to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's an exciting sport to watch on TV. There's gambling involved with it for fans. There's now this fantasy football element with fans. So I get some of those things. But it sh- we went from America's pastime of baseball, which is about as nonviolent as you can get, which is more about science and, and I would say almost at times poetic beauty, if you will, in, sure. in sport, yeah. to this our America's pastime now is this violent gladiator kind of game. Yeah. It's really a fascinating thing. And Evan actually talking about it last Friday kind of put me in, in, in this kind of mode when it comes to football. I thought, yeah. And he, he's an interesting guy to do it. He's a big fella. He, is. he was a nasty guy at times. Uh, but to tell where it came from and, and, and what it means, it kind of embodies what 
football is in the American way now. Listen, and I don't make a lot of comparisons to MMA and football, but when it comes, and we talked about this really right in the beginning of the show when um, I brought up to Evan, you know, I get asked all the time, who are some of the best tackles I ever went? No, what tackles did I fear about going against the the most? You know, and obviously I mentioned Joe Thomas because Joe Thomas, you didn't know if he was going to short set you, long set you, punch you like he was just that athletic and you can never get a beat on the guy. Another guy was Evan Britton. You know, now I never really got to play against Evan Britton, but I had to go against Evan Britton every single day in practice. And when I say that, I compare it to, um, you know, MMA. Listen, I knew that if I didn't get my mind right when I went on the field during a two a day or during a, you know, a, a, a training camp, we're going to go live. I knew if my mind wasn't right, I was going to get my butt kicked. Okay. And I was going to get embarrassed. And the film would be out there for the whole team to see. So every single day, I had to make sure that. Not only was my body right, but also my mind was right because I was getting ready, you know, to, to go to battle. And I compared to MMA and the fact that when I was on the field, the practice field, I hated Evan Britton. Absolutely hated him, man. Hated him. I I, I cheap shotted him. I would eye guy. I would punch him. And, and dude, and guess what? He did the same thing. Yeah. You know, like I mean, that's what we did. And if it's heaven forbid we're in a goal line situation and we end up in a pile together, <laughs> not well, good. Not good. But when the whistle blew. And we're walking off the field. He was the first guy that I would go and say, man, that was awesome. That's today. wild. You know, like, well, I mean, and you can sit here and call it crazy, and maybe it was kind of crazy looking back on it now, but like, it's just it's that respect. You know, like you understand that you have a job to do. You understand that sometimes you're going to have some, um, you know, workplace, uh, you know, drama, if you are some some workplace fighting. But at the end of the day, we were always respected each other. And that's where it stems from, man. It's about the respect. Well, I think, too, if you uh – if you bring up the most violent sports we have, there is that nature to them. Mm-hmm. MMA you bring up, yeah. football you bring up, and mm-hmm. I think for the most part, I know there's a hate that runs through some, sometimes even teammates because of it, because of those. It's hard to get by that. Yeah. Uh, and I also uh, would consider hockey yeah. in that. Now, again, hockey is a little different. The game's changed. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the amount of respect that hockey guys have for each other after really – beating the heck out of each other, sometimes actually fighting each other, uh, and and that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that those kind of three sports have that common ground where there usually is that mutual respect. Yeah. Uh, more so, I'm, maybe I'm missing something else, but it just feels that way. Listen, all, all competitive. Boxing, have, I mean, but, you know, it's still in the MMA category. Yeah, but the, you know the what, combat you know what's funny sports. about, and you're right about boxing, and that's, yeah. but I don't get the, um, the level of respect that you see after an MMA fight. Sure. I don't remember seeing a lot after a boxing fight. I, I really yeah. don't. I mean, yeah. now it could have happened at times. Sure, yeah, you yeah. Know, I, I mean, I, I grew up with Vinny Pazienza was a big-time boxer. You know, it's a great that story, bloody mess, Greg Haugen. Yeah. Uh, Greg Haugen? Haugen, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they would have some epic battles. And I think there was this really great respect. But at the same time, maybe it was in front of the mics or whatever else, mm-hmm. that at least when I was absorbing all that, it didn't feel. Sure. You just didn't see that immediate uh, embrace that uh, you often get. I mean, even last year, week in Jacksonville, we saw some pretty wild embraces after those fights, right? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, and it's just it's one of those things, man, where you know, and it's hard to put into words. But whether it's football, you're in a cage, or you're on the ice, like when you go to battle, and you know, and and you inflict punishment, you inflict the physical violence, and you try to harm somebody. Let's just say, when the dust settles and the smoke clears. 
there's just like this somber moment where it's like, man, I can't believe what we just did. And like, I, I appreciate you for going through this journey with me. Here's a hug. Here's a handshake, something like that. Like it's, listen, I'm probably talking to a lot of deaf ears right now because it's so hard to explain, but it's just when you share the, the, the ferociousness and you share the violence with somebody, when when it's over, you just you're left with this calm appreciation for somebody. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. wild. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah, you you, it's hard to relate. Yeah. Uh, and so I think Evan Britton and you kind of hit that uh, last Friday, so it got me thinking about it cool. a little bit. And and by the way, we love we embrace it. We love it. I mean, that's what we love about it. as fans. I mean, we love that part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we do have a respect for it as fans on the outside, uh, deep down. Whether we admit it all the time or not uh, is is something else. Uh, hey, we'll admit this right now. It's uh, last few senior shoutouts here in the month of May for us, and um, we're going to do a couple of them right now. Again, ESPN six ninety dot com has been the place to go to give your senior a shout out how about joe justino middleburg high school mary his mom sends this in joe is an amazing well-rounded young man a three-sport athlete who excels in the classroom helps others through church and school projects joe will attend the university of west florida in pensacola on a full bright future scholarship and preferred walk-on selection as a kicker punter for their division two national championship football team joe's family friends and community love and congratulate him good luck out there at west florida man uh it was a heck of a year they had with austin reed at the helm last year and a very good division two program in the country and of course in the state of florida joe justino uh, one of our senior honorees next up trip rollins from middleburg high school beth rollins uh, his mom saying we are so proud of you and excited for your future we love you love mom and dad and one more and i hope i say this correctly colin <laughs> hugenberger from oakleaf high mike is his dad your mother and i are so proud of the person you have become congratulations on continuing your education at unf we hope to be invited to some college parties he says <laughs> so, now that's a dad that gets it bringing the parents with huh all right all stay right. young stay young mom and dad i love it uh, so congratulations to all the seniors and our senior shout outs here on espn 690 now i think they're slowing down a bit uh, at least uh, the senior shout outs on the radio side i do want to uh, let you know that we are going to continue to do them on the tv side so sports at actionnewsjacks.com and uh, we've been doing this for the month of may on tv on cbs 47 and fox 30 so if you have a special shout out for uh, your seniors, you can do that. Send a picture to sports at actionnewsjacks.com and, and similar information. And uh, we'll put them on TV over the uh, next couple of weeks. And we may continue that a little deeper into the summer. We've really had a lot of submissions on the TV side. All right, when we get back, NCAA and the money trail. We talked a little bit about it. We'll also have a guest on, Matthew Driscoll, the men's basketball coach at the University of North Florida. Where do they stand? Basketball is prominent in this whole thing. But where are folks like UNF and kind of the mid-majors, if you will? We hear about the Power Fives. We know money's huge at places like Florida and Alabama and everywhere else. But what about these kind of schools? And are they almost in a safe haven from it in in a strange kind of way? I'm curious to that. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about the NCAA and, and a bit of the return to campus that came out during yesterday's show. Voluntary workouts allowed for men's basketball, women's basketball, and college football starting on June 1st, as long as it's in uh, accordance with local guidelines. We've got that coming up, and also Florida State Football 2013. How good was that team? We take a look back at that as well. And Tom Brady documentary, too soon? (laughs) And why? I have some thoughts on Tom Brady. All on the way here on ESPN 690. 
Hey, I think everybody that's ever been a fan of boxing knows who Mike Tyson is. And if you saw that video recently of him just going to town and being as deadly as he's ever been, <laughs> as far as boxing's concerned, you know, if he, you know, he's he's Mike Tyson. You can't take that away. You can't sit here and I can't say I'm the murder hog monster and I, you know, he's not the baddest man on the planet. But if the baddest man on the planet turns his head for two seconds, I'm gonna put a boot through his face, and knock his teeth out of his mouth. <laughs> Lance Archer. The murder hawk monster, Brent, if you will, talking about Mike Tyson. Uh, Lance Archer will be wrestling Cody Rhodes for the TNT Championship, and Mike Tyson will actually be be presenting the belt to the winner. And needless to say, if Lance Archer wins, don't be surprised if you see a boot or an elbow to the face of Mike Tyson. Good luck with that, Lance Archer. Wow, so big one on Saturday. Uh, You have a complete interview. I do. Uh, yep. On uh, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 coming up. Yeah. Uh, about just 20 minutes long. Just posted just it. Farm Fresh. Dropped. Farm Fresh Organic right off the farm, Brent. <laughs> I like Farm Fresh. Farm Fresh, just man. Fair, fair trade. Fair trade Farm Fresh. Absolutely. Like, just drop seems like... An album. Well, hey, what are we doing? Mixtapes here at ESPN 690? That's yeah, that's Farm right? Fresh. Yeah, farm I mean, Fresh yeah, is me, good. Yeah, me you're farmers, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. We're uh, we're trying to give out content to everybody. I like it. Yeah. And and we are hopefully growing the show. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. Maybe not. Uh, But anyway, uh, uh, remind me, double or nothing? Double or nothing, correct. I was a little nervous that I didn't get that Which is kind of crazy, though, right? Because double or nothing was last year. So, like, it could be, like, triple or nothing, you'd think, right? Because it started with an annual event. I, I guess so, man. It's a good call. Uh, and that will be on Saturday night. So uh, check out the complete interview. Uh, Austin all over the AEW wrestling. And uh, we have Steven on the line. Steven, let's check in before we get to uh, Coach Matthew Driscoll because he had a question about AEW. You are our expert, unless he wants me to answer this question. Okay. What's up, Steven? Well, I'm sure Austin saw last night how brutal you think uh, John Moxley and Brody Lee are going to be because he broke Ten's arm last night. All right. Brent, you want to answer it first? Or you want me to take this one over? Uh, it looked like it hurt. All right, Stephen, thank you very much, man. Uh, Brent, I'll take it from here, man. Yeah, absolutely. When we talk about John Moxley, I mean, I was at Fighter Fest when it was him and Joey Janela, the bad boy, and literally probably one of the most graphic and violent matches that I've seen. There was barbed wire tables. I know you're saying, Brent, come on, barbed wire. No, there's actually real barbed wire tables, all right? There's blood everywhere. Um, John Moxley's known for that, right? And Brody Lee, kind of fresh face and everything, but he, he kind of has that killer side to him too as well don't get it twisted from his time with wwe obviously with the wyatt family so of course it's going to be a great match i'm excited for archer first cody rhodes as well i mean everything's going to be chock full i don't have to sell the event brent wrestling fans know what i'm already talking about so we can go on to something else all right i love it uh, yeah. again double or nothing coming up on uh, saturday night austin lay with more wrestling talk on our action sports shacks on espn 690 youtube page and also on facebook as well it uh, is farm fresh it just got delivered uh we are going to deliver you right now matthew driscoll the men's basketball coach at the university of north florida <laughs> coach first time ever you followed some wrestling talk on the show <laughs> If you were a wrestler, who would you be? I got first of all, Bruno San Martino is I'm a Pittsburgh oh. guy and, and Bruno San Martino was amazing. I grew up in the Bob Backlund era <laughs> when Bob Backlund was a beast, yeah, beast and when that was when, when wrestling was real. But let's go backwards. First of all, is Farm Fresh a sponsor? And, uh, not, not yet. Not yet, coach. Well, not well, yet. First, first of all, you better try to go get that sprouts. Maybe go get that sprouts and then when it gets open. And the other thing and the other thing is if you would understand how many times 
I've heard the word organic on Zoom in the last <laughs> two months. Like, everything's organic. I heard Jeff Van Gundy say organic the other day. And I thought to myself, that joker, he don't even look healthy, let alone he say he looks like The Undertaker. But going back to the WWE, if you saw Tyson do what Tyson did the other day to that guy, and this dude thinks he's going to say something to Tyson, and you saw that little viral clip that was going around, Tyson knocked that joker out. <laughs> Who are you telling, man? Who are you telling? Uh, you gotta... Let me ask you a question about, about WWE, I mean, about, about um, uh, MMA. Yep. Because I, I know I watched you the other day. You did a, you did a nice interview from your house. I think it was your house. Oh, thank you. Um, and, and it was uh, it was it was when the the, the the thing was in town, and when uh, UFC uh, was it, the fight was in town. Yeah. And and you were talking about kind of how this guy can win, and, and why do you think this guy can win, and and yada yada yada. When you watch that main match, and obviously it only took what twenty seconds. Mm-hmm. When the guy made the actual connection. Yes, and 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 put him. Um, I, I don't I don't know if he made him uh, dizzy or or dislodged him at that point. But when he put him into that stage, at that moment, what is your next? Because I, I thought about this when I watched the clip. Yep. What's your next move? Is your next move to make sure you subdue him so he can't move, or mm-hmm. is your next move to go right straight to his temple? Mm-hmm. Or what's your next move? So uh, that's a great question, there, Coach. And. When I say this, it all depends because we've seen this all the time in MMA where you connect somebody flush and let's say that person has a great chin and they go on their back. Well, it's your human instinct, whether you're a fighter, whether you're an everyday type of person, it's your instinct to finish the fight, right? So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to get on top of them and try to unload um, a barrage of punches until they're out. Well, sometimes when you do that, you kind of neglect how tough that person is, and they call it punching yourself out. So it all depends. But literally what you're trying to do here is when you have a guy going back like that. Now, keep in mind, I think you're talking about that heavyweight fight. If you have somebody that's over 205 pounds connect on your chin, it's probably going to be good night for you. But at the same time, I mean, let's be honest here. But when we we have the smaller guys, though, if you ever watch them and a guy gets knocked down, they're very calm and calculated with how they go about things because they don't want to gas themselves out. But if it's a heavy... For yeah. me, I'd be calm and calculated. Oh, you have to be calm and calculated. But if it's someone like me, obviously, over 205 pounds, then yes, <laughs> if there's a guy on the back, you have to go for the kill every single time. University of North Florida... Hey Brent, hey, Brent, what was the first thing you thought about when he said about finishing? What was the first thing you thought about? <laughs> Come on. What's the first thing? Mortal Kombat, baby! Oh, oh, man, finish, him, finish, him. Man. finish him, yeah. Finish him. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as he said it, I thought, man, he sounds like the Mortal Kombat game. <laughs> Be honest with you. And sometimes I just don't listen to Austin, and I was just tweeting <laughs> Matthew Driscoll's on the show. <laughs> oh, man, that hurt. Hey, by the way, it is what it is, Coach. I wouldn't have got Mortal Kombat anyway. Uh, We went from AEW and Bruno Sammartino reference to MMA. Great pull. And uh, how about a little basketball? How much are you missing a little basketball in your life, men's basketball coach? I'll tell you one thing, too. Is Smoothie Smoothie King got on that lineman yet, or what are we doing? I actually reached (laughs) out. Did you find that deal? You know, listen, I I have a Smoothie King quite a bit, and I'm still a little disappointed that they haven't. uh, I, I got product placement right on the show, and they haven't signed up for it uh, at yet but wow. I, I did i did text my buddies over there and i said hey ben barch man this is easy you gotta go get him 
the Smoothie King, the Jack Smoothie King, uh, for that I'm offensive line. I'm still working lineman. on my Dunkin' Donuts one, so I'm right there with you, bro. I'm right there with you, bro. <laughs> I mean, what do you have to do, Coach? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good. That's a, that's about a good way to put it. <laughs> hey, so how much you oh, how much you missing uh, what you normally would be doing, and and you'd be I don't know if you'd be right in the middle of some summer workouts or summer camps or or getting ready no, for no, them. No, 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 no. Actually, 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 right now we we would be in um in 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 uh, away from everything mode. Okay. So May May May's the best time for coaches um because you can you can be away from it. You can have some guys on campus if you want to uh unofficially, but your guys are going. See, our guys are going all May, all June till the end of June. So we actually get about a 60-day window where our guys are going, which is really nice. So that's the that's the thing I've been trying to explain to people too like for basketball, for all the basketball um uh, winter sports, like we've had a full season except we just didn't have the tournament. Yeah. So really, you you kind of had the full deal, and then your kids finish school, and then they go home. Then uh, now the next phase starts. Obviously, what you what's the main question about this new rule that came out? But but my point to you is that's what we would normally be doing, anyways. Um, so right now it's been it's been Zoom after Zoom after Zoom, and and and, and doing a lot with coaches. All I want to do is Zoom, a Zoom, a Zoom, <laughs> Zoom, yeah, like that one, awesome. I love it, uh, man. But, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 uh, but but I will say this. So I, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna put this out on the record because uh, 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 this is something that that you know everybody talks about doom and gloom. I talk about boom and bloom. We got a boom and bloom as we move out from this. But 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 as the other thing that we start doing as coaches too is just just preparing for what's next. A lot of guys are like, well, you know, I don't know what's next. We don't know what's next. And how do we know this? And why? Would you, well, I'm not like that. I'm not one of those guys. I like to. Prepare, 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 and perhaps whatever's going to occur is going to occur, and then we're going to be ready for it. So I'm really studying our defense right now. Um, I know we want another championship, but I, but I, but I want to get better at that. And I, and also too, we're putting together stuff. So if we can't come back on campus, because right now we don't have classes on campus until through July 31st. So how are we going to do certain things with our guys? So if the NCA allows access, which we think they're probably going to, then we'll be able to. Um, um, you know, show guys footage, show the new guys footage, talk about different things, talk about our, our culture and all those different things as well. So, Brent, it's been, it's been really cool, and we've been creative during the Zooms, and we've had the guys do different things and change their names and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But after a while, it kind of gets, you know, kind of mundane too. Um, so so we're, not, we're not overly barraging them by any stretch of the imagination, and actually we've made the last couple less than 15 minutes. Hmm, interesting. So, yeah, well, we're just, we're just trying not to, you know, it's and, – and the other thing, too, is, Brent, you know, usually most of the time those guys are – they are on their own. You know, this is just a little bit of a, of, of a more different animal. And, and the thing, too, Brent, is you and I and, and Austin, we can all – the only thing you and I – we can all compare this to is what happened with 9-11 because hmm. that's the only major thing that's ever happened in our lives. We weren't around for Vietnam. We weren't around for World War II or the Depression. We can read about all that, but we weren't here. But we lived through 9-11. And I know one thing. The president was throwing out the first pitch, what, about a week later? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, we, and, I, and I think he made the comment, like, um, there, there's no one and nothing that's ever going um, um, to stop America. Something to that effect. Well, and, and I would say that. Yeah. And, 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 I would say, and I would say that's what we need to continue to understand, that, that yeah, there's going to be change, and yeah, things are going to be different, but but it doesn't matter. It's how we perceive, it's how we walk through the door, and we continue to do this. And it's real simple: the way in which we press on is going to have great perseverance to the power that we can instill in each other, and, yeah. and that's what we have to do. 
Well said. And it's, it's interesting from a sports perspective, especially a collegiate sports perspective, like 9-11 was so impactful on our country yeah. and, and galvanized everyone so much, but it really didn't impact the dollars, mm-hmm. you know, and that we're going, that we're getting hit with now. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, this is from a dollars perspective. It feels more like 08, 09 in the recession in terms of the economy nationwide. Now, this impact on collegiate athletics and everything else going on, it's unprecedented in, in, in that regard. We're with Matthew Driscoll, the University of North Florida men's basketball coach. Uh, you know, we talk sometimes uh, with Doug Marone on these Zoom calls. He gives us updates, and they're doing virtual periods as well. I was just interested from a coaching perspective uh, in general over the whatever time frame this is, uh, how much of a difference does it make to have a young team versus a veteran team and the impact that could yeah. be felt? And also, how much are you leaning in, on your coaching abilities? How much more coaching are you going, are you doing over Zoom than maybe you would even normally do over on a basketball court? I would say the first part is um, I think the 99% of the people would say we'd love to have the, most, the more experienced group um, because – Obviously, they they understand. They understand the preparation. They understand the conditioning. They understand the physicality. They understand. They understand all those things because they've been through them all. When you're talking about all these new kids, six freshmen, you're talking about guys that you're doing just exactly what you just said. You're talking to them over Zoom. They get to see you. They can understand that. But you know this, Austin. You know this, Brent. I mean, just playing wiffle ball in your house. You know this that it, there's nothing like actually doing it. Mm. So the the actualness of doing it. And, and going through it, like, for instance, there's a core workout, right? Well, the actual doing it and doing it at, at a certain level, at a certain pace with guys around you actually being fatigued, going to class. and So all those things that you can get for a summer, I think that's where the young kids are going to miss the most throughout the country. Kids that have never been on a college campus before, kids that have never been to a cafeteria before, kids that have never been in a library, kids that have never had to, you know, all, all those things that go with it. Coach, when you talk about the transition, obviously, yeah, that's going to be huge, right? They're not going to experience those things. When we talk about you coaching these student-athletes, it's about ingraining the culture. It's about showing them the Osprey way, right? Well, right now, you're on Zoom calls. So how hard it is, is it really to try to get that point across of this is what we do here at UNF, this is the culture, and what are some of, I guess, you know, the activities or some of the messages that you've been trying to get across here via Zoom? Well, one of yeah, one of the things is if you play hangman with some of your values, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I know that sounds unintelligent, or doesn't sound like it's very, very. Um, uh, what do you call it out there? But we, we, you know, we play it, and, and like many hands make light work. Communication prevents disaster. Um, you know, uh, um, um, sharing and serving. You know, all those things that you stand for, you kind of play it in a fun way, and then you, then you talk about it, and then you have people show or, or go through those different things. And, and like, there's a great clip that I have of, of, of Garrett Sams running out of a timeout and dapping up our two managers and turning around. No words were explained. No words were said in the whole conversation. And then you show that and you say, this is culture and this is what culture looks like. And, and, and you kind of go through those kind of things. But, you know, it's, you know, you, you can play Pictionary and you can, you know, draw different pictures and then the answer is going to be something that's going to be important for that, let's say, lesson for the day almost so to speak, going back to my fifth grade teaching days. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where on Zoom, and the other thing, too, is, like, you don't even know what's going on around the guy. Like, yeah. there might be a TV on in the room. There might be a younger brother in the room studying. There might be a, you know, it's just, you know, every, everybody's got, there's all this stuff that's going around as well, too, where you don't have their, you know, may, maybe they're, I mean, I, I think, you're pretty close to having it all, but you know, mom walks in the door and starts whispering and you know, you know what I mean? So I I think, I think the challenge in my opinion 
The challenge is the guys you have coming back, your core guys, how are they able, whenever that day presents itself, June 1st, um, um, uh, July 1st, August 1st, September 1st, whenever that day presents itself, how well do they understand? And then how well can they communicate? And most importantly, and this is what you guys understand because you're, you're both ath- athletes, is how effectively they can get those guys to make sure that it's not hindering because we've already – everybody's going to start so much further behind. We don't need that to be an added piece to it. Very well said. Uh, Matthew Driscoll with us, University of North Florida men's basketball coach, just called me an athlete, by the way. <laughs> by the way, don't you, you are short, a really good athlete. Yeah, man, don't, don't sell yourself you short. I've seen you golf. I've seen you get a technical by wearing a go camera you're not supposed to wear. I've seen you, I, I, I've seen you hit a wiffle ball. Um, so, I mean, I, I, you look like an athlete to me. There we go. Uh, Stop selling yourself hey, short, Brett. Come on now. Listen, I, um, I, I follow suit with that. Uh, uh, one more question for you, Coach. And, and I know a lot of these details are so complicated and they change from day to day, really, and they change from probably yeah. university to university, state to state. But on a, from a broad picture, how how much uh, how damaging do you think this whole thing could be to college sports uh, in general? Oh, boy. And, and, and I guess uh, what I can't really put my mind around and grasp is there's so much talk about football and basketball at the, like, super high level, the power fives. Are, are mid-majors uh, a little more immune to this or more susceptible to what we're going through right now? Um, I, and I think there's three different levels to that. So you got the guys who have it all, and then you have guys that have to play those guys to get some, and then you got the other guys that can sustain without playing guarantee games. So I think you got you got a couple different things. Like it's really critical for us. Like we we have to have that money. Like that revenue is huge for us, huge for every athletic sport that we have. Yeah, it's not just, it has nothing to do with men's basketball. That money goes into the the general coffer. Of the, of, of the revenue that's counted on. So having those gains is, is huge and, and, and how that basically is going to unfold. And that's why I love the fact that football comes before basketball because I think they set the table and they're going to be able to, like these guys coming back to school now, that's great. You know, it's all voluntary, so, so to speak. You can put fingers in your air, air quotes. But it's all voluntary. <laughs> but the good thing is you got 10 guys in the room, and then what's going to transpire, what we're going to learn, how are we going to see what's going to be different, and we can just grow from that. And then everybody else can just look at look at look at and grow from it. But here's the thing. It, they said today there was a big article came out that said college football could you know lose maybe $4 billion. Well, if college football loses $4 billion, let me tell you something. Athletic departments are in huge trouble. Hmm. So how in which we – move forward in these next, like these next, I'd say, months, and how this opening up of the college campuses again, because think about that. You know, that's basically what we're doing is, is the NCAA is given the right for these kids to have these voluntary workouts. But don't forget, these voluntary workouts, you got to have a trainer there. you got to have a strength coach there. I mean, you got to have people there, but coaches can't be there. So coaches can't be there, but players can because it's voluntary. But what we're going to learn from it has got a greater effect on what's going to occur down the road, which yeah. is going to open up the gates, which is going to allow us to get back. And here's the other thing, too, I thought about. So let's say I was reading uh, Gene Smith uh, from Ohio State. So let's say you can let 20,000 people in or 40,000 people in. In my opinion, if you let 20,000, I bet you there's 20 more that want to get in. 
Yeah. If you let 40 in, I bet you there's 40 more that want to get in. Mm. So, in my opinion, I don't think we're going to lose because, like, even like you said, like we talked about earlier, you go back to 9-11, people were obviously on edge and people were alerted. But what did you do? You brought in dogs. You brought in extra security. You brought in these people. You brought in next security. Um, we spent $15.5 trillion on, 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 on um, uh, uh, um, security measures. Just from that instance, I happen to look up something today. So because we did all those, put all those safeties or those precautions or those protocols in place, the same thing's going to happen here. So let's get all this stuff out there. Let's figure out exactly how this thing is spread. Let's get this vaccine done. Let's get all this stuff figured out. And now people are going to want, people are going to want to go to athletic events. I don't think it's going to fall by the wayside, just like in 9-11. People still went to the stadiums. People still went to the arenas. Yeah, but I a, think they felt safer. It's a great so, call. Yeah, it's a great so call. So me, you got to make them just, safe. Let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. Yeah, but let's not let's not overdo it though. I mean, we don't, like they, they did not like they had snipers up on the roof either. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, let's absolutely. not overdo it. Let 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 let's just let's just have common sense. Let's just listen to the people that have the most information, and let's you know. And that's the other thing too. That's why I said earlier. This is my and again. This is this, I'm just telling you what I think. Like. When we come out of this, we've got to have, you know, uh, Charles Swindoll always said, life's 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react. So your attitude gives you an action. Action gives you a result. A result gives you consequence. Consequence gives you another attitude. So if it's a cyclical thing like that, we, this is what it is. So let's come out of this saying to ourselves, okay, let's, we we got to move forward. we got to press on because if we don't, Lord, Lord knows what's going to happen to this country. Yeah, that, that ain't America. That ain't America. So let's press on. Let's persevere, and then let's take that power, and let's make a difference. Coach, I'm not really big. Well, you got me all fired up right now. <laughs> hey, you got us fired up. We got like a minute to go, but Austin wants Coach, to ask you one before you, you know, go. And I'm not sure how big of a philosophy you guy, uh, guy you are, but I mean, the, the, there's a school of thought out there that and you, you mentioned 9-11 a couple of times, and I want to get your perspective because you're so great at shaping young men. And there's a school of thought that thinks that after 9-11 happened, well, that's when kind of like, you know, quote-unquote, all the – millennials and the generation z kids you know people want to call them soft they want to call them entitled well a lot of that kind of stemmed from the 9-11 standpoint of the parents kind of overprotecting them right the parents kind of coddling them because they were worried and then they wanted to keep them close do you think we're going to see yeah do you think we're going to see another trend of that now with like the, the pandemic like this because i mean obviously it is a big deal like what do you think comes from the next generation now of student athlete let's just say from this pandemic i would say yes and because of that, I would say this reason. Number one is because things are cyclical. So if something happened in the past and people reacted this way and something happens again, then people don't react this way. And then once it starts slowing down and once it becomes a little bit whatever, people are going to relax more, people are going to come come to grips more, yada, yada, yada. But is it like, like for instance, when we grew up, we'd get on a bike, we'd go wherever we want. Nowadays, very few parents let their kids even do that because God forbid what's going, what can happen down the street, right? So forget, I mean, 9-11 is a great example too, but even just that simple thing of being able to just get on your bike and go somewhere, you know, you got to, your parents got to have you on GPS. They got to have a tracker on you. They got to be, they got to have the satellites clicking to you. Life 360, I mean, just, you just, bet. <laughs> but, but it's true, but it's true. It, 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 it's become that way um, in our yeah. society. So I bet you 9-11 had a lot to do with that. Um, in the sense that, that that protectiveness and that, and the other thing too is Austin, you look around and you see people 
that are trying to, uh, uh, to protect things or make things better, make things safer, what are you thinking? Well, why? Are we do- if you're from another country, you're like, well, why are they doing all this stuff? Well, there must be a reason. Yeah. So that's why I don't want to over, I don't want to overdo it as well, too, and just do it to do it. I want to do it because it's right. Absolutely. And that's what, that's what I think. I think this right now, I think the time is right. I think going back to the schools are right. And we're going to find out so many things that are great that we're all going to get better because it's going to be smaller groups. Matthew Driscoll, University of North Florida men's basketball coach, always with some great insight. We appreciate your thoughts on this. It's such a huge Rudolph topic. Rudolph Martino, baby. <laughs> <laughs> zoom, zoom, zoom. Keep them going. Get those boom, boom, and boom and bloom, baby. All I want to do is zoom, a zoom, a zoom, zoom, and a boom and bloom. And Shake it. That's it. Matthew Driscoll, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for jumping in. When we come back, Florida State football from 2013. How good were they? Speaking of some college athletics, it's next. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.